welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're in the car, on the couch, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. We're so glad that you've joined us today as we kick off a new year and a new series here at Long Hill Chapel for 2023. And we're going to be spending uh, several weeks in an Old Testament book or Old Testament collection of writings called the Book of the Psalms. Many of you have heard of it, and this is really like the playlist of the ancient Jewish people. It's a collection of songs that deal with the highest highs of life and the lowest lows, Uh, looking at who God is, looking at who we are, asking questions about the situations that we find ourselves in life. And our, our series is called Pinpoint, and we're going to be looking at how these things locate us as people. I want you to envision in this group of 150 different songs of the ancient people, which have been handed down to us uh, of all sorts of different shapes and sizes and lengths, to think about what this means for us in terms of location. Because the Psalms deal with this in about three different ways. We find Psalms that talk about where God is, who God is, what God is like, and so they locate God for us. They're psalms of praise and thanksgiving for who God is and how he's provided. But there's also psalms of dislocation. There's psalms where the writer is calling out the questions, facing the darkness and the brokenness and the difficulty, the sadness of life, and trying to figure out where God is in the midst of that, not pretending that the world is anything other than what it is. It's a psalm that demands It demands that we don't withhold anything from God. But it also requires a God who can handle that kind of honesty. A God who's present in the dark times of life. And no matter how raw these things become, they're always directed at God. There are psalms that are called psalms of lament, and they fall into this category of dislocation. And there's actually more of those than there are of any other kind of psalm in the book and in the Bible. There's psalms that are asking how God sees a situation that's difficult and challenging for us. But then there's a third type. There's psalms that deal with relocation, a new location, a new orientation, or a new understanding of the way things are. And these are psalms that start very often with that dislocated, disconnected sense, but they move somewhere. Some years ago, there was a a book that was popular in corporate circles and leadership circles called Who Moved My Cheese? And it was a book about how uh, uh, mice and rodents and animals, they become accustomed to where their food is and they go there, but when that gets moved, it's incredibly disorienting for them. This is true for us too. There's things we come to expect in our lives. There's things we even believe at some point that we're entitled to, a certain standard of living, a certain uh, perspective or status when it comes uh, to our financial condition or our health, or our relationship. And we begin to believe that these are the things that will always be there and the things that we're entitled to. For some of us, there's folks around us who uh, their, their health or their life or their relationship with us has changed and it's profoundly disorienting when we encounter those things. But God is always faithful and he always brings us through and he brings us to a new place of understanding. And so these psalms of relocation 
reflect the fact that this transformation is brought about by God. God is the God who lifts us out. He's the God who puts our feet on solid ground. He's the God who, when we call, he answers. He's the God who saves, the God who heals, the God who restores, and the God who redeems. And very often in this collection, this playlist of the ancient people, the book of Psalms, this 150 different ways of expressing to God, there will be a journey through one or more, or even all of these aspects of location, dislocation, and relocation. And you and I can feel this. We feel this keenly at the beginning of a new year because the thing that we all do when the calendar turns over is in some way we look back at the year that we've experienced and then we look ahead to what's ahead and we try to figure out where we are in the midst of it because knowing your location is incredibly important physically literally but also in every other sense of the word because if you don't know where you are you can't go anywhere accurately from that place for some of us, as we begin a new year, we look at our location, we look at our circumstances, we look at ourselves and our relationship or the things that define our lives, and it's really honestly not a very pretty picture. And it's really important for us to begin there, even if it's not where we wish we were beginning. You know, when it comes to technology, I'm either a very early or a very late adopter. I'm either like the first person with the new thing or I'm one of the very, very last. And what I usually do is once I get something that works, I hang on to it as long as I possibly can until it really should be thrown out and replaced. And I'm really famous for doing this with phones. So I'll get a new iPhone and it'll be the latest, greatest thing. And then I'll hold on to it for literally years and years and years until it stops working. And a few years ago, I had a phone, and like many people, I used the phone for GPS and for driving directions, and it had had a rough life. It had been dropped, it had been thrown around, it had lived in my pocket for years. Uh, it had had all sorts of abuse heaped on it. And one of the things that began to happen as a result of that is it was just a little off. It wasn't like a lot off, but it was just a little bit confused about where it was. And so when I put driving directions into it, it would usually get me close, but not exactly where I was. And for a long time, that was totally fine, but there was a point at which it really ended me up in the wrong place, and it ended me up in some trouble. Because GPS works like this. It's referencing other things. It's figuring out where it is in relation to certain satellites that are orbiting the Earth. And so your location is established in reference to some other points. And when it comes to our lives, we establish our location in exactly the same way. There's things that we look around. There's expectations that we have. There's some things that the world around us has told us or how the people next to us live or the town we live in or the things we watch on the news or whatever it is. And we begin to establish some reference points that we work from and we figure out where we are in the midst of it. That, by the way, like physically, when you're in a completely pitch black place, that's why you feel so lost. Because you don't know where the reference points are. You don't know where the steps are, or where the bumps are, or where the turns are. And so the first thing you try to do in that situation is figure out some things that you can navigate from. And I think a lot of the big problems that we experience in our lives 
are literally from this phenomena. They're when we lose our sense of location. Or, like my phone, we lose an accurate understanding of where we actually are. And we see this all throughout this book of the Psalms, but it's true in your life. You have a relationship that goes south. You thought it was one thing, but then there's something that comes up and maybe the other person changes or they change their mind or they move on or they end the relationship. And what you thought was true ends up being not true. It was located in a different place than you thought it was. The person isn't who you thought they were. Or maybe you're not who you thought that you were. And something happened that showed you that. It happens when our financial status changes. It happens when there's something that happens in the world that's bad. And the way we thought things were, it becomes immediately apparent that they're different than that. And you know what? It's not always bad things. It's just when things change. You know, there's this almost cliche that happens when people suddenly get rich. They suddenly come into a lot of money. And it actually, for a lot of people, creates a lot of problems. Just ask somebody who's had to manage a family inheritance or a lottery winning or something like that if their life got easier or if it got immeasurably more complex. And it's because those reference points have been messed with. And I believe that a lot of the problems and challenges we have when it comes to God are for the same reason. They're from the same source that our sense of location or our reference points are not accurate. They're off. Either something happened or we didn't have accurate ones to begin with. And so at the beginning of this new year, I believe it is so important for us to understand where not only we are located as people, where we actually are, not where we wish we were or where we hope we can get to or where we thought we were, but where we actually are. But that's only part of the equation because the other part is understanding where God is. Understanding where God is in reference to us, in reference to our situation, who he is. And when we get that understanding, I believe it has the ability to change everything. And so today, we're going to look at a psalm through the idea of location. And we're going to look at one of the ones that many people are familiar with. It's a psalm of praise or worship. It's like some of the songs that we sing, just like you heard Joey sing a few minutes ago. And people have written many songs from this psalm that we're going to read today. You know, worship is one of these things that as part of a church, or if you're part of a faith community, we do very often. And when we sing songs of worship, they're very often about who God is or about who we believe God to be or about how we feel about who God is. And there's all these different points of it or what we'll do in our lives as a result of God's work. And that's partly true, but I think worship is more than that. I want to paint a more complete picture very briefly because it'll help us understand what's going on in the psalm we're going to read. Worship is three things. It's knowing and living out who God really is, not who we think God is, not who someone else told us God is, not who we'd like to believe that God is, but who God has shown himself to be. The truth of God revealed in history, revealed in the pages of scripture and revealed in our lives. It's also knowing and living out who we really are in God's eyes, who we really are in God's eyes. 
You know, what's true for so many of us is that we have a warped understanding of who we are when it comes to how God sees us. But then, and this is the good news, it's living out, it's knowing, and building our lives on the fact that God covers the distance between us. How does he do that? How does he go from being the God of the universe to being present in our situation and in our lives? And we celebrate the fact that he has and that he does that. And as we read the psalm together, Psalm number eight, we discover all of these things in play, in practice, but also locating us in a place where we can stand in confidence and in truth. So let's read together Psalm 8. And this is a psalm written by that famous writer of many of the psalms, the Old Testament king, David. And he writes this. He says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. And so this first part of the psalm, it locates God. It says, this is who God is, this is where God is, and this is what God does. I don't know uh, if you're anything like me, but I love the sunsets in the winter because they're so different than they are any other time of year. The leaves are off the trees, and it's just a lot easier to see them for what they are, and they're absolutely the most majestic thing you can possibly imagine. For me personally, and for a few of you, nature is one of the places where I go where it is so easy to see God clearly. It's so easy to be in awe of God. And one of my favorite things to do is to just walk as the twilight is setting in and the sun is going down, and you see the sky and you see the sun, and you're aware that this is a cycle that happens over and over again without fail every single day. And there's nothing that we can do or would even want to do to try to control it or manipulate it. It shows us the bigness and the glory of God. But as David writes the psalm, he says something that goes even farther than that. He says, you have set your glory in the heavens. Some of the other translations say, you've set your glory above the heavens. Even the most majestic thing that we could possibly imagine, your glory, your majesty, your power is above that. But then he creates a contrast. I love this contrast. He says, through the praise of children and infants. You've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avengers. You know, when we look at the forces, when we look at the circumstances in our lives that we feel like oppose us and they may be very real enemies or they may be things that represent that to us, what we are always looking for is the strongest counter. You know, I think we would expect in this to hear something like, you know, through the mouths of kings and the swords of warriors, you have opposed your enemies. But instead, it's a song. And it's a song through the voices of the purest, of the most guileless, but also of the weakest. Through the praise of children and infants, you are the one who has set up a stronghold against everything that opposes us. You know what I think is true is that it's easy for us to see God in the big stuff. 
It's easy for me to go out and we see the majesty of creation. We see the stars in the heavens. We see the changing of the seasons. And it's relatively easy for us to see God there. But it's much harder for us to see God in the small things, in the unlikely things, in the places that we would not look for that kind of power. You know, I think you and I, weakness is one of the places where we get our location messed up. You know, the world around us prizes strength. It prizes the ones who stand the strongest, who speak the loudest, who are the most aggressive, who rise to the top. But then the Bible says stuff that really messes with that idea. It says things like in in the New Testament, uh, where it says our strength or God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. That God actually is strong, not in the place where we would think that strength is found, but in a different place, in the opposite place. And that's really good news for some of us as we begin this new year. Because it's not about us powering up enough, being impressive enough, putting on a show of strength enough that God notices and responds. Instead, for some of us, it's about that place that that you're in or that I'm in that feels so weak, that feels so defenseless. That is the place where God shows up, and it's the place that God notices and God responds. And so see how David responds with this picture that he's painted of who God is and where God is found. He says, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? So in light of all of the vastness of the universe, the power, the bigness, why would God notice us? Why would God notice us? You know, my older son, Christopher, and I have really gotten into space exploration. I grew up being very interested in that. We're back into it together, and so there's rockets all over our house, and we're, you know, talking about the space shuttle program, and now the Artemis rocket, and all of these things. But one of the things that is is true, and many of the photos you see is the farther away from Earth you get into space, the more you realize how small this planet, this, this pale blue dot that we call home is in the vastness of the universe and the vastness of the galaxy. Well, what David says here is he says, when I consider all of these things and how big they are, how is it that God is mindful of us? I love though that David is not asking if God notices. He's marveling that he's mindful. When you're mindful of something, it means that you're thinking about it, that it's on your mind constantly. You know, it may be a relationship or a person that you love and you care about, and they're never far from your mind. And David is showing us here that in the vastness of creation, in the majesty of the most amazing, glorious thing that we can imagine, that God isn't just aware of us. God is mindful of us. We're on his mind. He's paying attention to us, and he's paying attention to you. For some of us, that makes us uncomfortable. It makes us, some of us, you know, want to hide. 
It makes some of us not understand how God could do that because we really struggle with this idea that God is close. Because I think most of us are comfortable with God in the heavens, God in the stars and the moon and the sunset and the big, majestic, powerful things of our world. But it's much more challenging for us to consider the reality that God has come near that God is close. This is what we just celebrated at Christmas, that God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the glory of the Father. You know, the English translation of this verse, it, it loses something a little bit. What it's really saying kind of in its original context is that God sees our humanity, he sees our frailty, he sees our weakness, and he's not repulsed by it, he's drawn to it. So he sees all of the things that we would rather hide. He sees all of the things that we would rather downplay. We'd rather play up our strengths, our best parts, our best moments. We'd rather hide those things that are the opposite of those things. But God sees our frailty and he's drawn to it. He sees our screw-ups. He sees when we fall short. He sees the best and the worst of what makes us human. And he's not repelled by it. He's not put off by it. He moves towards it. A holy, perfect God, the same God who created stars and galaxies and planets and all creatures in creation. We've caught his attention, and more than that, he's mindful of us, and he moves in our direction. And he does it not to crush us or to condemn us or to put us away, but because we've captured his heart. Remember what I said, worship A psalm like this that's a psalm of of worship. It's about location. It's about locating God. It's about locating us. But it's about that third thing. It's knowing how the distance is covered between us. And that's what Jesus does. You know, it's not that your shortcomings, and we all have them, and I have them, and you have them. It's not that our sins, and you have them, and I have them, because the Scriptures teach us that all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. It's not that they're missed. It's not that they're ignored. It's that they're covered. They're covered by the work of Jesus on the cross. And the reason that Jesus came is because God was mindful of you, and he was mindful of me, and he's been pursuing us, and he's been drawing close to us. And this is the place where very often we need to be Located. We need to be relocated so that we would know who we truly are. Because it's easy to make God too small. It's easy for us to make ourselves too big. In essence, to become God. To become the ones who try to rule and reign over our worlds and over our lives. And if we're honest with ourselves, we run into the limitations of living that way. We cannot control every situation. We cannot control every circumstance. When we try, it overwhelms us. But it's also easy for us to make ourselves smaller than God makes us. And even worse to have a wrong picture of how God sees humanity and how he covers the distance. You know, one of the problems, I think, a lot of times with with preachers and worship songs and some of the other things that we encounter uh, along our faith journey is they portray us kind of that we're basically slime. 
You were basically these horrible, wretched creatures. And that God is really ticked off with us. And I think that the words of this psalm show us clearly that that's not an accurate picture. You know, certainly we have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. And the scriptures say that. But the picture we discover of how God views us and where God has located us is often different than the one that we find for ourselves. Listen to the words that David writes. He says, about us, about you, and about me. He says, you have made them a little lower than the angels, and you've crowned them with glory and with honor. You've made them rulers over the works of your hands. And so God created all these things, and he said, you are the ones to oversee that, oversee this world, oversee all that I've placed within it. You put everything under their feet, all the flocks and herds, all the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. So all of those majestic things that God created, he's placed us above them. And then David ends, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And what he's saying here is he's saying that you and I, have been given a place of honor. We've been given a place that's different than the place of everything else in creation. We're not God. We're under God. We've been placed under God. But we're valuable. We're important. We've been crowned, not with shame, not with condemnation, but with glory and with honor. And we've been given responsibility in this world to live out the ways of the one who placed that crown on our heads. Worship isn't just when we sing songs or when we intellectually agree with some truth about God. It's when we live out those realities and we live out those realities in our lives and in the world. And so as we locate ourselves, or maybe for some of you, as you relocate yourself in the place that God sees you at the beginning of this new year, I'd encourage you to do these things as a way to begin. Firstly, get in touch with the majesty of God. Get in touch with the bigness, with the glory, with the power of God. For some of you, that means you need to go out and encounter that in nature. But wherever it is or whatever it is, that reminds you of the majesty, the glory of who God is, his bigness, his power, the fact that he is in all, he is through all, he has existed since the beginning, he will exist to the end, and there is nothing that is over him, that he is the first and the last, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. Reconnect with that, do whatever it is that you have to, because the circumstances of our lives will so often attempt to disconnect us from this reality of who God is. Capture as big a picture as you can. However you have to do it, wherever you have to do it, as often as you can, keep your picture of God big. But then, once you've done that, hold on to what God really says about you. You know, one of the things as a, as a pastor for 20 years now, 
that has always just stopped me in my tracks is how many people hold on to this picture of themselves that is different, that is less than what God says is true about them. What happens when we begin to believe those lies that I believe that the enemy puts into our minds and into our hearts is it begins to disconnect us and isolate us from God. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do to you and he wants to do to me. But when we reconnect ourselves to what God says is true about us, that you are valuable, you're deeply loved, Above all else in creation, you're not God, but God loves you with an everlasting love. And because of Jesus, if you receive what he's done, he's covered your sin, he's covered your shortcoming, he's covered the places that make you want to hide, and he's allowed you that you can stand in confidence and in hope. So hold on to that because there's so many people and there's so many forces and there's so many circumstances that want to tell you a different story than that story. They want to tell you something less than what God says about you, that he's placed a crown on your head, a crown of glory and honor because he loves you and he's pursuing you. But then remember the fact that God is the one who covers the distance in between. God is the one who covers the distance in between. You're not the one who has to do that. You're not the one who even can do that. But God is the one who's crossed the bridge. He's covered the distance. He's come close. He sees our humanity, and he's actually drawn to it. As that famous verse that we see in the end zone of football games all the time says, John 3, 16, God so loved the world. It didn't say God tolerated the world or God put up with the world. God so loved the world that he did something about it because that's what love does. He gave his only son to close the gap, to bridge the distance, receive that gift, maybe for the first time, maybe once again, but then live in that reality. And when we do that, we begin to live in our lives in this world in a way that communicates this truth of who God is, where God is located, and where he's located us in a way that changes everything. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for the truth of your word, for these ancient words, the playlist of the ancient people, the songs that they sang. When we sing a song, we do it to remind ourselves of something, to reconnect ourselves to something, to anchor ourselves in a place. I pray as we each begin this new year, with all that it will hold, the high mountaintops, the low valleys, the places of clarity, and the points of confusion, that we would remember who you are, but we would also know who we are in you, that our location would be accurate. We would know who you are. We would know how you see us, and we would remember that you're the one who has covered all of the distance in between, that we'd hold on to that. We'd return to the hope that Jesus offers us we would live in that each day, knowing that it is an anchor point 
It is a reference point that is accurate and cannot be shaken. And when we encounter difficulty, and some of us, as we listen to these words and we watch this online, we are in the middle of difficulty. Would we, we would remember who you are, that you are always faithful, that you're the one who rules over all creation, but you're also the one who knows our name. And because of that power that you have, our lives can be different and we can stand firm in hope. I pray that we would do that as you walk with us and as we walk out our lives, we would remember the God who sees us and is drawn in our direction. Thank you for these truths. Thank you for reminding us of this and thank you for our time together. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today. To connect with us further, you can visit our website at lhcnj.net or on social media at LHCNJ, and we'll be back next week with another sermon. Until then, have a great week and God bless.